Welcome to Wrongful Conviction, False Confessions. I'm Laura Nyrider. And I'm Steve Drizzen. Today we bring you the story of Billy Wayne Cope, a father and husband, a man of faith, and one of many innocents wrongfully convicted of murder. Even after DNA evidence pointed to the real killer, the police refused to pursue other leads. Instead, Billy was railroaded into falsely confessing to an unimaginable crime. This case will stay with you. It certainly left a mark on Steve. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. I think about Billy Cope all the time. I, I think about how the justice system failed him, and I think about how we failed him. This is the most disappointing loss in my career, one of them at least. I can rest a little bit knowing that we had an incredible team of lawyers that fought his case with every ounce of strength that we had. Well, look, I've watched you throw yourself heart and soul into the fight for Billy Wayne Cope. And what I have seen is not failure at all. What I see is real heroism when I look at what you've done in this case. And his trial lawyers were heroes, too, you know. They fought and fought. This was a group effort, but it didn't succeed in the end. There's something to being a lawyer where you're literally asked to hold someone else's life and future and reputation and story in your own hands and to fight for that story. And it can be devastating when you're not able to deliver the justice that so clearly is deserved in a case. And Billy Wayne Copes is one of the stories that doesn't have a happy ending. Billy Wayne Copes' story starts in Rock Hill, South Carolina, 
a thriving city with lots of jobs and colleges and respectable people. But there are some parts of Rock Hill on the outskirts that are different, run down. The people who live there maybe didn't finish school, maybe don't have great jobs. They're people who are too easy to forget. Our story starts in a shabby house on Rich Street, where 38-year-old Billy lived with his wife and three daughters. In late 2001, Billy had a job delivering fast food chicken, and his wife, Mary Sue, was a cleaning lady who worked nights. They were deeply religious. Billy was a born-again Christian, the kind of guy who thinks the rapture is around every corner. Now, the Copes had their challenges. For one thing, they didn't keep a clean house. Dirty dishes would pile up and attract roaches. Years earlier, someone had called social services because the family's mobile home was so dirty and their kids were put in foster care for a little while. But that was a long time ago. In 2001, things were looking up for the Copes. They'd moved out of the mobile home and onto Rich Street. Billy had even gotten a degree in computer electronics. Neighbors remember the family as loving and close, even if they didn't have money or a social cachet. And Amanda, in particular, she was the shining star of the family. Amanda was the oldest daughter, 12 years old. She was a straight-A student who belonged to their church's Bible quiz team, which Billy coached. The family thought of her as their hope for the future. She was the kind of big sister who would help her little sisters. She would help them with their homework. Billy called her his special child. But Amanda's bright future would never materialize. It was Thursday, November 29th. Billy's alarm goes off at 6 a.m. His wife is still at work, so it's his job to get the kids ready for school. The night before, Billy and Amanda had stayed up late, helping one of the younger girls with her homework. Now, Billy had sleep apnea because he was overweight, so he used a CPAP machine every night to help him breathe. But the machine made noise. It hissed. It thumped. It drowned out pretty much anything quieter than the alarm clock. When Billy goes to wake his daughters, he doesn't hear from Amanda. Billy walks into her room to find Amanda, on the bed, partially clothed, with a strip of her favorite green blanket wrapped tightly around her neck. Billy unwraps the blanket. For a minute, he holds her. Amanda's body is cold to the touch. Billy calls 911. The police rush to the scene, and right away, they suspect Billy. He's willing himself to stay calm for the sake of his two other daughters, but the police misread this as coldness. They ask him what he thinks happened. Billy's in a daze. All he can come up with is that Amanda might have tossed and turned in the night and strangled herself with the green blanket. This guess is light years off the mark. Amanda had been sexually assaulted, beaten, and strangled, not with the blanket, but with someone's hands. Police gather forensic evidence, semen on her pants, and saliva from a bite mark on her chest. And later that evening, at about 10 o'clock, police bring Billy Wayne Cope to the station for questioning. Police start this interrogation by accusing Billy of Amanda's murder, but he vehemently denies it. 650 times, Billy insists he never harmed his daughter. I swear before God, I did not do anything to my daughter. Never. I loved my daughter. 
Police ask what he'll say if the semen turns out to be his. But Billy's ready for it. It won't match. Because I have not ever done anything to my child. You can check every part of my body. You can do a forensic study of everything, anything. You won't find any evidence on me because I did not do it. Now, Billy had faith in polygraph exams. He'd taken them in the past for jobs, like working behind the counter at a gas station. So he asks the police for a polygraph to prove his innocence. I'm just telling you, you get a polygraph in here, and I will be willing to take a polygraph. You can do anything you want to do to me, and you're going to see I did not ever, not one single stinking never time did I touch my daughter in any physical way. Never. For the time being, police avoid his request. They keep questioning Billy for four hours until he finally gets a break at 2.30 in the morning. He's brought to a jail cell where he struggles to get a few hours of sleep. Now, let's stop for a moment. Police are focused on Billy like a laser. But by letting tunnel vision take over, they're ignoring other leads. Billy's wife's pocketbook was found next to Amanda's body on her bed. What was it doing there? This was powerful evidence that a burglar was involved in this crime. And you know what else they found? They found a flashlight in the home. And of course, this is a flashlight that didn't belong to the Cope family. Not a single member of the family could identify ever having seen that flashlight. But they're ignoring the pocketbook. They ignore the flashlight. They're focused on Billy. At 9.15 the next morning, after almost no sleep, Billy's brought to a polygrapher. He takes the polygraph, and he's told that he failed. You know, this is reminiscent of so many other cases. It's one of the most powerful steps in the pathway to a false confession. And of course we know the polygraph, the lie detector test, is notoriously unreliable. But it's being presented to Billy as this infallible arbiter of truth. Billy, you failed it. That means you're lying. And when they tell him this, it shakes Billy to his core. Billy begins to doubt himself, and he starts asking himself, could I have somehow done this and not remembered it? Billy described the rest of the interrogation as an exercise in which the polygraph examiner was pulling images out of his head, images that Billy couldn't come up with until the polygrapher suggested them, one after another after another. I've seen a lot of false confessions and wrongful convictions in my life, and the Billy Wayne Cope case has haunted me for years. That's Saul Kazin, one of the leading experts on the psychology of false confessions. At every step of the way, it was clear that Billy Wayne Cope's innocence didn't matter. And in fact, it mattered less and less as the process moved forward. Police formed a very strong impression of Billy Wayne Cope's guilt immediately, without evidence, and for no good reason. And even when evidence came in that contradicted that presumption of guilt, They didn't stop in their tracks and reassess. And that is true the whole way through. According to that confession story that Billy eventually signed, he'd gotten up at 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom. He started to masturbate. And when he heard Amanda laugh at him, he attacked her, choking her with his hands and eventually violating her. He even agreed that he'd abused his other kids on other occasions, too. 
Sometimes when police use certain highly suggestive and misleading tactics, they can lead somebody not only to confess to a crime they didn't commit, they can cause that person to create a belief in their own guilt, to get confused about their innocence, and then to actually confabulate false memories of the thing they didn't do. These are called internalized false confessions. He used words like, I had a feeling, like, I assume. Well, you told me, so I guess this is the way it must have been. Those are not the words of a confession. Those are words of somebody trying to put pieces together of an event they have no direct memory of. Billy would go on to give something like four or five different variations of this confession. And by the end, he was so broken down that he was agreeing to anything that was suggested to him. He said first he woke up and he assaulted and killed his daughter. And then he went back to sleep and didn't remember it. And then he woke up again and remembered it, but then forgot it again. Well, that's just psychologically impossible. This fabricated story was so horrifying to Billy that when the police threatened him with the death penalty, he welcomed it. People with authority were telling him that he had done terrible things. Even if he didn't remember doing them, he still thought he deserved to die. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends 
safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. So Billy is charged with the murder of his daughter. And of course, this is a big news story. It's everywhere. And the narrative that's being painted in the media and in the prosecution is that Billy is garbage. He's just not worth as much as others. He's one of those throwaway people. There's a problem, though, with a case against Billy Wayne Cope. After he's arrested, DNA testing proves that the saliva and semen left on Amanda did not come from him. Instead, they were left by some other man. The police collect DNA samples from everyone who knew the Cope family, even their preacher. But they can't find a match. It takes them seven months to figure out that the DNA left on Amanda Cope's body belonged to a man named James Sanders. James Sanders is a career burglar, a serial rapist, and a drug addict from North Carolina. He'd recently been released from prison and moved to South Carolina, to Rock Hill in particular. In fact, as of the date of Amanda's death, James Sanders lived two blocks away from the Cope family. And while Billy Wayne Cope sat in prison for Amanda's death, James Sanders was out on the streets and he was horribly busy. Between December 12th, 2001 and January 12th, 2002, in that one-month period, James Sanders was implicated in four burglaries and multiple sexual assaults in Rock Hill, three of them within a mile of the Cope home. On December 12th, he robbed and raped an elderly, disabled woman. On December 16th and December 19th, there were two more attempted rapes, and on both occasions, the victims identified James Sanders. This guy is on a literal crime spree, breaking into homes and assaulting females in Amanda Cope's neighborhood within weeks of Amanda Cope's death. He was brazen. He would go into these homes to try to find money, but if there was a woman in the home, he would attack her. He even assaulted some of these women while other people were sleeping in the home. Now, James Sanders also had a signature M.O. He would target homes after dark. He would break in without leaving any signs of forced entry. That was his specialty. And in each case, James Sanders acted alone. Sanders was arrested for one of these other rapes. It was only at that point that prosecutors discovered that his DNA matched the Cope crime scene, too. Now, that renders Billy Wayne Cope's confessions false because he doesn't indicate the presence of a James Sanders in his scenarios. So his confessions were simply factually wrong. Somebody else raped his daughter. That same DNA that excluded Billy Wayne Cope identified the assailant. At this point, the whole case against Billy Wayne Cope should have been reevaluated from top to bottom. Instead, prosecutors theorized that Billy and Sanders attacked Amanda together. Even though Billy's confession doesn't mention an accomplice, and even though only Sanders' DNA is left at the scene. Their first act was to go to his wife and to tell her that the DNA in the semen was Billy Wayne Copes. They lied to his wife and then wired her up to try and get him to give a better, more accurate confession because his prior confessions were factually incorrect. Why would you send his wife in to get a fifth confession unless you realized that the other four were worthless? She died shortly thereafter 
as a result of complications and surgery, and they never corrected the record for her. She died believing that Billy Wayne Cope's DNA had been found inside of their daughter. The prosecution searched for any connection between Billy and Sanders, and they found nothing. There was zero evidence he and Cope had ever met, let alone joined forces. The DNA contradicted the prosecution of Billy Wayne Cope. And instead of moving in that direction, they concocted a theory that essentially had he and the rapist involved together. And they just made it up. Four weeks before the start of this trial, Sanders wrote a letter to the prosecutors in this case. And in that letter, he complained about his own defense attorney. And one of the complaints he had was, he's not even talking to me about this other man I'm going to trial with, someone I'm not even acquainted with. But even Sanders' letter didn't deter prosecutors. They told the jury that Billy Wayne Cope had pimped out his daughter to James, that Billy must have let James into the home in order to attack Amanda. And so the two of them went on trial together. I couldn't believe that Billy Wayne Cope had to sit in court with his daughter's rapist and murderer, the individual whose semen was found inside his daughter. Now, Billy Wayne Cope's case was gaining the attention of national experts in false confessions, as well as some of the leading lawyers in South Carolina. And Billy's lawyers were committed to fighting back. At trial, Billy's legal team tried to tell the jury about James Sanders' crime spree. But the judge refused to let them, saying that Sanders' other crimes weren't relevant because they hadn't involved a 12-year-old girl. Billy's lawyers also tried to introduce that letter Sanders had written, saying he didn't know Billy. But the judge rejected that, too. Billy's defense is hamstrung. The jury saw James Sanders there, but they were not permitted to know that James Sanders was about to stand trial for another crime he committed in almost exactly the same way and in the same neighborhood. In their minds, James Sanders and Billy Wayne Cope came together for this one-time-only novel crime, when in fact James Sanders was a serial offender. And meanwhile, the trial that Billy has to endure, it's hellish. Every time the prosecutors mention Billy's name, James Sanders starts laughing. Finally, Billy could bear no more. He takes the witness stand in his own defense, and he explodes at James Sanders. I hate you! Hate you for what you did! The Bible says, love your enemies and do good to them. So help me God, I've tried. But I hate him. I hate him so bad I can't stand it. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall. 
and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. In the end, it wasn't enough. The jury deliberated only five or five and a half hours. Billy Wencope was convicted. Both he and Sanders went down for this crime, and they were both sentenced to life in prison. That's when I got involved. I had been following the case, and I was stunned that Billy Wencope had been convicted. I decided to see if Billy Wencope's defense team could use some help. Steve joined Billy's appeal team, which also included legendary lawyers David Brooke and Allison Flom. And at first, Billy's appeal seemed like it'd be successful. The appellate court ruled that there wasn't enough evidence that Billy and James Sanders had worked together. But the prosecution appealed that ruling. And I was optimistic. I thought, we have checks and balances in our system, and the Supreme Court of South Carolina is not going to let this conviction stand. But I was wrong. The South Carolina Supreme Court declined to throw out Billy's conviction by a single vote. And the U.S. Supreme Court refused to intervene. I can't tell you how many cases I've seen just like this. An innocent person gives a confession. Subsequent to the confession, DNA is found. The DNA identifies the perpetrator who has nothing to do with the individual who confessed. And rather than redirect the investigation, admit the mistake, and move on, the prosecutor's office chooses instead to create some new theory that brings together the rapist and the innocent confessor. And I just find that shameful. It's a disgrace. Well, the legal team was prepared to keep on fighting, right? We don't let losses in any court, whether it's the trial court or the U.S. Supreme Court, stop us from fighting for justice. But in this case, we weren't able to continue the fight. On February 9th, 2017, Billy Wayne Cope died in prison of what the prison said were natural causes. When I heard years later that Billy Wayne Cope had died in prison, my heart just sunk. 
While this case haunted me, I harbored the hope that at some point in time, at some level and in some way, an appeal would be successful. He was only 53 years old. And from a legal perspective, that means that Billy Wayne Cope's case is over. It's done. There are no options left to clear his name. Now, we want to tell you uplifting stories of exoneration, of justice that's delayed but not denied. We all like those stories. They keep us fighting. But not every case turns out that way. And this podcast episode, it's our attempt to change Billy's legacy. We're not here to tell you that Billy Wayne Cope was an angel, but that's one of the dangers of telling stories about wrongful conviction. There's always a temptation to paint the defendant as a perfect human. And Billy Wayne wasn't perfect, not by a long shot. But our justice system is supposed to make judgments based on evidence and logic, not on character assassinations or whispers that someone might have been white trash. Billy deserves the truth as much as anyone else does. Billy Wayne Cope did not sexually assault his daughter. He did not rape his daughter. He did not murder his daughter. His greatest indiscretion, if you will, was that he called 911 when he found her dead in the morning. We want to tell you now a little bit about the man, Billy Wayne Cope, a man you knew, right, Steve? I did know him. You know, throughout this ordeal, he remained upbeat, even hopeful. He had dedicated himself to doing God's work in prison. He taught Hebrew. He preached. He served as a hospice minister to inmates that were dying or ill. When he died, his legal team got together and we wrote a statement about his death. And this is what the statement said. In the years we represented Billy, he was unfailingly polite. He was optimistic and full of faith, and he maintained these qualities in the long years that followed his conviction. Billy confessed to a dreadful crime he did not commit. When DNA later proved the actual killer was a career burglar and serial rapist named James Sanders, law enforcement should have faced up to the truth and admitted they had obtained a false confession from the grieving and psychologically vulnerable father of a murdered child. Billy, I want you to know that even though we lost your case, these cases of unrequited innocence, these are the ones that give me the strength and energy to continue the fight for other innocent people. Billy, with your evangelical fervor, we sure hope you're somewhere where you can hear us. Justice belongs to every man. Not just the rich, powerful, or respectable. This podcast episode's for you, and for everyone like you, in the name of justice. Join us next week when we bring you to the Bronx in 1989 to meet Hugh Burton, a good kid who happened to live in the apartment above a truly bad guy. Until then, thanks for listening to Wrongful Conviction, False Confessions. Wrongful Conviction, False Confessions is a production of Lava for Good Podcasts in association with Signal Company Number 1. Special thanks to our executive producer, Jason Flom, and the team at Signal Company Number 1, executive producer Kevin Wardus, senior producer Ann Pope, and additional production and editing by Connor Hall. 
Special thanks to Jaji Hammer for additional script editing and for wrangling and writing like a madwoman. Our music was composed by Jay Ralph. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Laura Nyrider. And you can follow me on Twitter at S. Drizzen. For more information on the show, visit wrongfulconvictionpodcast.com. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram at wrongfulconviction, on Facebook at wrongfulconvictionpodcast, and on Twitter at wrongconviction. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.